I remember, and I can't tell you to this day whether or not I said it out loud or I said it inside, but I remember looking at her going, it's not you, it's me. Like I got that I was broken. There was something in me that was just missing, and I didn't know what that was. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. That was the voice of Mr. Tim F. that you heard at the beginning of this here episode number 243. And you're going to hear so much more from Tim in just a moment, but... First things first, I've been traveling a little bit here, so i got to catch up with some uh, contribution, recognitions. This episode is being brought to you by Catherine, Kate, Mara, David, Marie, Bill, Brian, Michelle, Anna, Terry, Kurt, and Todd. So do you say to yourself, so do you say to yourself, so you say to yourself, what in the heck to Catherine and Kate and Mara and David and Marie and Bill and Brian and Michelle and Anna and Terry and Kurt and Todd do to deserve this recognition? Well, they went to our website, soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So thank you so much again, Catherine and Kate and Mara, and David, and Marie, and Bill, and Brian, and Michelle, and Anna, and Terry, and Kurt, and Todd. This episode is coming right out to youans. I really do appreciate ya helping me keep the virtual lights turned on. Muchas gracias. Uh, There is my bilinguality coming at to you, coming at you all. Once again, never be jealous of my bilinguality. God grants that talent to some people, and some just don't receive that talent. Um, I can't help it. I just got it. Let's move on here. Um, What are we going to... Oh, I meant to tell you, I, uh, I sent out a a post this week. I thought it was very interesting. And what I mean by that is uh, it was a, the title of the post was a step 10 post. Uh, It's some questions for step 10 to ask yourself and such. And I sent it out and I had many people uh, email me back immediately. And I appreciate everyone who did. And they said, this is step 
11, not step 10. And really what had happened is I, I had a listener who wrote the article. I put it out there. I didn't do my due diligence well enough, but it was kind of a, a combo of both step 10 and step 11 questions to ask ourselves both during the day and when we retire at night and all those sorts of things. And so uh, I just found it very cool that we have such a sophisticated audience to, that they would know the difference of what questions are on page 84 and 85 versus 85, excuse me, yeah, 83, 84 versus 85 and 86. Do I have that right? No, no, no. 84, 85 versus 86 and 87, which is steps 10 and 11 in the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so anyway, I immediately went back and retitled the post uh, steps 10 and 11 to get that all straight. But anyway, thank you all for for writing in and, and correcting moi. I really appreciate it. But you know, the hopefully though, even though it was technically not sound, if you will, hopefully we had some people that ended up doing additional inventory. In fact, I, moi, started doing additional inventory today, the day that I'm sending out that particular uh, uh, email um, and some stuff that I have going on in my life. And I said, John M., you need to do a little bit of uh, uh, inventory there. So why don't you get out the pen and the paper and start writing some things down? And I did. So... Uh, but anyway, hopefully we had some people that are doing additional inventory out there in the world, right? Looking at themselves and their own selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, and asking themselves those questions, you know, was I packing into the stream of life and uh, all those things. Uh, and if you don't know what pages 84, 85, 86, and 87 are in the big book, I would highly encourage you to go uh, check it out. All right. Let's get on to a little bit of, uh, I want, I want to, because we have so much listener feedback on the end, I decided to put some of this on the front end of the uh, podcast today. And uh, Carol posted this in the super secret Facebook group. By the way, if you are not in the super secret Facebook group and you would like to be there, please go to our Facebook, go to your Facebook application, look up secret, excuse me, sober speak secret group and uh, ask for admission into that group and we will get you in there. It's a, it's a very low bar. All right. So come on in. Um, and uh, so Carol is in the super, super duper secret Facebook group. <laughs> and she posted this in there. She said it was regarding uh, a post in the group uh, about KCW's uh, episode. That is episode number 240. It's called Topic Wheel. And Carol posted in there, she said, this was a great episode. I listened to this episode several times and chuckled out loud listening to Casey share about the trailer, which is where we meet for our meetings here in the area, and the spinning wheel. And <laughs> we had some fun talking about that. So if you haven't heard KCW on uh, episode number 240, I would suggest it. By the way, I went ahead and texted Casey after I, I read that, and I said, uh, uh, Carol uh, said that she listened to your episode several times. 
I told Casey that she must have been extremely bored uh, because we had so many other episodes to listen to, <laughs> but I guess Casey got her attention somehow. I mean, very bored. Who would want to listen to Casey several times over? You know what I mean? We're we're very close. I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, Steve R. actually posts in the Super Secret Facebook group. He's one of the guys. We have so many people in there. I've talked about it before who like post on a daily basis and they put all kinds of great information in there. This one kind of caught my attention this week. He's, uh, and it says, this is a quote from the big book, page 95. It says, if he... Keep in mind, this was written in the 1930s, right? But if he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do uh, after he gets hurt some more, page 95. So, I, I, I just, that really caught my attention and I thought I'd read that today just in case somebody else out there needed to hear it today. And I'll, I'll read that one more time. It says, if he, and they're talking about a prospect, another alcoholic that you're working with, uh, in the program, it says, if he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties, or nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. Page 95. Sad but true. And then Steve ends it with help one, save two, happy Friday. And here's another thing. Oh, I saw this in the uh, Facebook group as well. And uh, this is a, a a lady who is new in the group, and she wrote out. She says, "Good morning, you lovely people." I'm not feeling. Her name is Haley, by the way. I should have said that up front. Haley posted, "Good morning, you lovely people." I'm not feeling it today. I'm all emotional and all over the place. On the upside, I am two months sober today, and then big hearts, three different hearts, and. Uh, the reason I'm 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 sharing that is because after she posted that, she just got tons and tons and tons of comments and encouragement. And once again, I don't recommend the the Facebook group as a replacement for meetings or actually being with people and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of people seem to get a lot out of it, and so I'm I'm just I was so. Uh, I, I just felt great that so many people replied with the encouragement and uh, some gave advice, you know, you know how social media is, but nonetheless, so many people replied and felt uh, Haley's pain, if you will, and they were very, uh, uh, all very encouraging. All right, now on to our featured guest of the week. This week, we have Tim F and this is part one of Tim, uh, but anyway, the the title of the episode is "It's Not You, It's Me." Great title, I love that. And he actually says that during the episode. Tim has been sober since March eleventh, nineteen eighty six. Let me do the math for you. He is thirty six years sober. We discuss Tim and where he grew up in Oklahoma, participating. Now, catch this. In Oklahoma, participating 
in his younger days in both baseball and ballet. Yes, both of those in Oklahoma. Quite a combination. We talk about the death of Tim's father and how that was a pivotal point in his life. And we talk about much more. And keep in mind, you will notice at the end of this episode, I cut it off and then we resume next week with Tim's story after he got sober. So this is kind of a before he got sober. Next week's going to be after Tim gets sober. So Buckle up, everybody. Enjoy the ride. And keep in mind that we indeed will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode that I need to get caught up on. Enjoy, Tim. All right, everybody. So today we are sitting here with my friend, Mr. Tim F. So, Tim, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, please. Hi, everybody. My name's Tim F., and I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober by the grace of God since March 11th of 1986. And the reason Tim kind of paused there as he's saying his uh, name <laughs> is because everybody around here knows Tim by his last name. I, you know, it, it kind of like, it just, and every, most people know me by my last name as well, but we try to respect best we can the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous and not give our last name at the level of press, radio, or film. And even though they didn't have the term podcast back in the 1950s, right. this is still what you would refer to as internet radio. So that's why the pause there. And you didn't say where you live though, I don't think. No, we're in Frisco, Texas. Yeah, but do you live in Frisco, Texas? I do. Okay, I didn't. I didn't. You know, Tim and I know each other, but I, you know, I didn't right. know where. I thought maybe you lived down in Texas or, so, or down in, excuse me, Dallas or something like nope, that. Frisco. All right. So uh, Tim and I have known each other for I don't know, fifteen years or so, something probably, like that. Yeah, we attend the same meeting, the, the Frisco Group uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous here in Frisco, Texas. You are actually one of the first people that I asked to come over here and be on the podcast. You probably don't Is realize. Right? Yeah, I mean, this. so that's been since like uh, 2018 or something like right, that. Right. And so We've never been able to. We just didn't. We weren't able to connect. And now, two hundred and forty or so yeah, episodes amazing. later, yeah. here we are. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you finally made it over. Me too. Me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Tim. So this is going to be basically kind of a you know what you were like, what happened, and what you're like now type of thing. So. Let's go ahead and get started. I know you grew up in Oklahoma, right? So why don't you talk about where you grew up, what your family was like, and that sort of thing. Well, just a normal kid, played baseball and did ballet. Um, <laughs> I know, that always shocks people, because <laughs> I'm not the lightest individual now. It was a few cheeseburgers ago, but <clears throat> um, I, um, yeah, I grew up in Oklahoma, Um both my mother and father, um, and I had a sister and a brother, but I was kind of like an only child. What do you mean? Um, well, there's 15 years difference between my sister and I, and there's 12 between my brother and I. So I really was the only child around. Um, you know, the stuff about the childhood, it's amazing. Uh, um
both my parents grew up in the depression. They did the best they could. Um, this is not about blaming them at all. They, um, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, 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 you know, I've told my story a ton of times, but it's amazing how much my parents have changed over the years that I've been sober. That's why I pause a bit because they, they were terrific people. And I, I used to joke that I didn't get the book to life, but I did. I just didn't read it. <laughs> and I certainly didn't follow the rules. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did the very best they could. Right. And um, it's hard being a parent. It's, it, it's incredibly hard. I, I don't know. I, you know, I've never actually done it. And I, like, I, like, I, I'm, I'm grateful now for the upbringing that I had because I'm now able to kind of look back at it and, have a completely different feeling. I just know that from the get-go, I didn't feel comfortable. And you hear that a lot in the rooms, right? Uh, It just didn't look like what I was experiencing was exactly what you were experiencing. I was always judging my insides by your outsides, and I lost every time. It's a classic saying in AA, right? But it was so true for me. I always felt like if the spaceship landed... And the little guys came out of the ship and said, Tim, it's time to go back home. I would go, thank God. <laughs> because I, I always felt like an alien. I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, and that was from my earliest memory. Um, as far as my relationship with alcohol, that's also... So you know, just real quick. Yeah. You said you played baseball and you were and you were in ballet at the time and you were in oklahoma so how does i mean yeah, that you didn't don't play really well. right I, yeah, that didn't play well i was actually in jenks oklahoma right and you know it, this is years ago so kids used to tie their horses up on the other side of levy i mean it was pretty kind of when i showed up from little catholic school and i walked in the first day in my little polyester shirt and pants i was like oh, i'm gonna get killed uh, you know <laughs> It just compounded that feeling of not feeling like I'm fitting in. But at that point, I just played baseball, but I didn't play at school. So none of the kids at school knew I was actually really good. I was going to be a baseball player. I mean, that was kind of what I was going to do. Um, but the ballet is really my sister's fault. <laughs> Your sister's she, fault. Yeah, yeah. She she was a, a PE teacher. She was a phys ed teacher. And the teachers that I ended up having gave a lecture demonstration at school where they talked about sports and they had a, a, a young men's class that would help kids in sports. So these kids that were doing soccer and all that kind of stuff helped with coordination. You did a basic ballet bar, which developed muscles. And then you did push ups and chin ups and all kinds of other exercises. And it helped me in my ballet. And, you know, so she asked me if I wanted to go try out for a scholarship and, and I ended up getting a scholarship. And what ended up happening was I ended up choosing ballet as a career. Right. Um, which was fine at the school until I had a teacher in fifth or sixth grade that decided to tell the class that I was in the nutcracker, <laughs> which that didn't play well. <laughs> now, were there, did, were there many male ballet students in Oklahoma in your area? Ironically, that school was, was quite a prestigious school. And when I later went to New York on scholarship at 
the School of American Ballet, which is the official school for New York City Ballet, there were five or six other guys in that class on scholarship from my school from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. I had a class where years later I taught and I had 22 young boys. I had an Episcopal priest who sent the whole soccer team. It was a private school, sent the whole soccer team. And they won like a ton of medals that year. I mean, because they came and they did some cross training as it's called now. Right. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Okay. So you're, you're in ballet, you're in school. It looks like it. And like you said, you you're know, in, in defense, if, in defense of other people. If, if you're trying to fit in, I never really did try to fit in <laughs> and wondered why I didn't fit in, right? Did that make any sense, John? Yes, yes, it did, unfortunately for yeah, me. Yeah, right. Like, God, keep going back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... Um, so I took you off track. So you were kind of getting there school. toward the, the end of school, I guess. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, so I start doing ballet and I start doing it more and more and I gave up baseball. Um, um, and you know, I want to, I want to talk about a little bit about the drinking because it's like, I didn't, I didn't, my parents drank and from other people's perspective, they drank a lot. I never saw my father repeat himself. It looked like he walked around with that one drink, the whole party. My mom overdrank. Right. But I never, so I wasn't all of their friends. They would have these parties. They were all like New Yorkers and they all like all drank a lot. And um, my sister, as I said, was 15 years older when she got married. I was 11 years old, I guess. Um, and I remember bartending at the wedding. Like it, the reception was at my parents' house, and I, 11 years old, I was bartending, which my parents didn't get pissed off at, but they did that I put out a tip jar. <laughs> Somehow I knew enough to put out a tip jar <laughs> at 11. So um, I really didn't drink a lot. I didn't get in trouble with drugs or, or alcohol or anything like that. Um, the real demarcation, the real moment where stuff changed was my father died of cancer. We found out his neck throat swelled up and six months later he was dead. How old were you? Uh, 16. Yeah. Right. And, um, that I was angry at God. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any friends or anything that had ever experienced anything like that. I was completely alone. And to other people's defense, I was the kid that my brother would, you know, when he would come home from school, how was school? He'd proceed to tell you how school was. Me, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. It was fine. You know, I, 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 I didn't understand feelings. I didn't know how to express myself. I was, I was just void in that area. And I, at that point, I was going through some grief that I, you know, I had no idea what I was going through, right? But that's the moment I chose to, you know, I look back and I, I rebelled, right? Cut to, I'll keep, I'll skip a lot of stuff, but cut to a year later. The same day that my father died, 
the same time of day, 3.30 in the afternoon, I was in court looking at two felonies at time of state prison and looking at being charged as an adult. For what? For uh, methamphetamine. So I had gotten busted. I, You know, my story was I was buying it for other people, but I, I got caught with it. And... Um, and I got caught with it at school. And um, so as a result of that, I got kicked out of my senior year. I had to go into a new school. To, and there was one school in Oklahoma that would take me. And I was I was that kid that was walking down the hallway in the middle of the year who had just gotten kicked out of some other school. And I already had a reputation I didn't even understand. Because people right. were like, what did he do? Did he kill somebody? Or you know, like, like <laughs> well, who is this kid? <clears throat> so, but the main thing was I, you know, I'm in court and I have to turn around and look at my mom and I got that look, <sighs> right? If you're an alcoholic and you've had family, you understand that look. And I, I remember, and I can't tell you to this day whether or not I said it out loud or I said it inside, but I remember looking at her going, it's not you, it's me. Like I got that I was broken. There was something in me that was just missing, and I didn't know what that was. Um, ended up getting probation. I had a pretty damn good lawyer, and they, they didn't try me as an adult. And um, as a result, I wasn't able to go to New York. Up to this point, I'd been going to New York every summer for um, on scholarship. They would pay me, actually, to go to New York City to go to uh, a couple of different schools actually did American Valley theater and school of American Valley. It was a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. That was another thing where I was a nobody at school. And yet every summer I was a hot shot. Mm -hmm. Like that was like, so I never, I couldn't wait to get out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Cause that was the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. I couldn't wait to get to New York. So when I did finally get a chance, I went to New York, I spent a year and at the end of the year, um, now, are you out of high school at this time? I, yes, I, okay. I graduated high school and I, I was seventeen, and I went, spent a year, and got into New York City Ballet. Actually, um, now that's I don't know a whole lot about ballet, but I'm assuming that's one of the top. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, you know, it's it's big deal. Yeah. I I. I have one story about the the graduation performance from from School of American Ballet. There's this guy named Jerome Robbins, who did a little thing called West Side Story and a bunch of other things. Right? Um, he had a ballet called Interplay, and we were asked to perform Interplay, and we did, and it was a huge success. And we were also asked to perform with New York City Ballet at the school kids. It was four guys. There were two other guys that I ran around with at, that I called us the Goombas. We, we, we would, <laughs> we ran around and, and like three of us together were like a whole person and, and looking back, you know what I mean? Like emotionally, like the three of us, cause we were just like, ah, like we had nothing, nothing going on emotionally or, <laughs> or in maturity. Like, and we all drank every night, every night. Right, I was a daily drinker at this point. So we got asked to perform um, with New York City Ballet, and the performance was on um, my the anniversary of my mom and dad's wedding. 
So it was their wedding anniversary. My mom was in the audience. This is New York City at the New York State Theater, which is now called the Coke Theater, which is not too ironic. But <laughs> um, um, I know the spelling's different. But, yeah, right. <laughs> um, it was a standing ovation. And uh, I remember standing outside the curtain with three other guys, like, and their people were throwing roses. It's a big deal. And I remember standing there thinking, they're going to find out that I'm not this good. I always felt like a fraud. I always felt like I was an imposter or something. Like, a, like a, you know, that should have been a great moment in my life. I don't tell it to impress people because it, it should have been a, an incredible moment in my life. And it was. But like deep down when I was inside, I had this doubter inside my head that was constantly telling me, you don't deserve this. You're a piece of crap. Why are you here? And, um, you know, that's what I was living with in my head. And I think I, like when I, when I drank, that, that went away, at least for a period of time. And I was able to kind of mingle and look as if, you know, I I was the same as you. Right. Never once. I think I, and I, I've recently kind of revisited this whole thing because I've been going through, you know, this is a not ironic that now I'm talking to you because it's, it's, there's some stuff going on in my life that's been some of the most challenging stuff I've ever dealt with. And, and I think I spent a lot of my time in my life trying to prove that I was not something. Mm -hmm. And anytime you try to prove something, that's not true, you actually compound the problem and you make it true. Yeah. I, I never saw that, never w never been able to find a way out of it, right? Yeah. Um, I know I digress a bit there, no. but... <clears throat> no, that's interesting. That was very interesting. Um, I mean, I think that's Bill, Bill was talking about an emotional sobriety, you know? When what I know about myself to be true and what... I believe and feel about myself to be true is the same, mm -hmm. right? And that's not ever been the case for me, right? I, I love when I go to meetings and there's, pardon me, but there's people with six months of sobriety talking about emotional sobriety. I'm like, <laughs> let me know if you get it because <laughs> I could use some help myself, right? Um, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, you probably don't have that problem. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so I don't know where the heck was I. I you know was I. I wasn't even sober. So yet, you were I? at the. So you were at that moment there where you were right. standing off stage. So so I had an incredible career ahead of me, right? And the book talks about the 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 the, the just uncanny the the gift that we have about getting tight at exactly the wrong time, right? Right? That we we you know we. Earlier, we were talking about holidays, and, you know, if there was anything worse than me not showing up, it was when I did show up <laughs> for holidays, you know, because I mean? like, the event was always turkey on the lawn, you know, <laughs> but I, um, so I, I'm daily drinking at this point. I'm in a career that people think, you know, like wow, this is truly disciplined and all that. And, you know, I didn't drink while I was dancing, but anytime I wasn't dancing, I was drinking. And this was the 80s, so I found some um, 
white powder right. I knew that you. allowed me to drink bionically. <laughs> and uh, so I started doing a lot of coke. And um, bionically, yes, yes, yes. It is. Well, I was able to. It was my way of controlling my drinking because <laughs> you know I would. I would I would get what I call double drunk because I'd get drunk and then I'd do some blow and then I'd keep drinking. Right, right? and you'd have to do right. the drinking to bring you down and all that. And stuff. they were they were trying to give me they were trying to give me chances and I was missing performances. I mean, they have a sign in sheet basically because of me. There's another guy that thinks it was him, but it, it was me. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's a heart attack because, you know, they had to make sure there's a sign-in sheet that makes sure you're there at half hour so all the performers are there because I would miss performances. I missed like a couple of Christmas Eves in a row. Oh, no. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. And uh, there was a series of, you know, at this point, balancing is pretty sick. Um and later on, when I left in 83, right after I left, he passed away. I don't think it had anything to do with grief that I had left the company or <laughs> anything. But he, um, while they were giving me a chance, there was a, I'm going to tell you the, the story, okay? This is, this is one that, for the books, I guess, I, I, there, was a, there was a new ballet being done by the guy who ended up being the the director of the company it was a to it's called l'histoire de soldat the history of the soldier and it was set to stravinsky and um i don't know if you've ever counted stravinsky but it's like sevens elevens threes it's really really complicated the melody's doing one thing and the counts are doing another and it's just it's incredibly difficult to count but somehow after being up for three days, um, snorting cocaine and drinking, I was sort of one with Stravinsky. I sort of intuitively knew what Stravinsky really wanted. And um, again, I'd been up for three days. And I show up at the theater for um, what is a, a world premiere dress rehearsal. There's donors in the audience. It's 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 not a live performance, but there's a whole orchestra, the whole deal. It's a big deal. I come flying out of the wings doing some choreography that's never been seen before. <laughs> and to my knowledge, has never been done again. <laughs> they didn't appreciate it. Yeah, but... I was facing the wrong way. <laughs> and um, at that point, the the voice of the ballet mistress came over the speaker saying basically what's going on. And I said, the classic line of the alcoholic is I got it. I this got time. It. <laughs> I got this. So I go back into, so you have to understand the whole orchestra has just stopped. That doesn't happen. Right. So I go back into the wings. I come out and I give it my best shot. And it's still really, really bad. And I'm leading a regiment of like 12 other guys. And they're like, when I stop, they're all like pew, 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 banging into each other. Oh, and it's, no. it's an event. Okay. Oh, no. And I'm real grateful there's like no video of this because this is early, you know. This right. Is, yeah. Because truly, that would have, I'm thinking it would have been viral. But <laughs> and I'm real grateful that's not the case. Um, 
And again, this is my recollection after being up for three days. So they stop the orchestra again. I go back into the wings. They do it a third time. At this point, there's members that I know in the orchestra that play violin that were standing on their chairs in the orchestra pit, looking up over the edge of the stage to see what the fox to see what I was doing on stage. Right? <laughs> Oops. No, you. <laughs> yeah. And um. So what happened was that didn't go any better. And the ballet mistress came down through the orchestra, up through backstage and all the way out onto the stage, the center of the stage to stand in front of me. And then she took two steps back because she smelled me. And I had always thought vodka didn't smell. <laughs> but apparently. It does. Apparently it does. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, she looked at me and said, Tim, we can't use you in this condition. And I said, I understand. And I turned and I walked. You also have to understand that the, the, the music is piped through speakers into all of the dressing rooms and throughout the whole theater. So everybody that was not on stage, part of this one ballet, was everybody was hearing what was going on in their dressing rooms. And at the after the first time, they all had piled up onto stage to see what was going on. So everybody in the company was standing in the wings while I had to walk off stage and walk through them. Now, I had been up for three days drinking and snorting cocaine. And what I did was I went home and I took a nap for an hour and a half and I went and I got up and I went to the bar and I got drunk. Mm. I did the very same thing that got me in trouble in the first place. Never understanding that. It was just what I did. And I'd love to tell you that that moment made a difference. Uh, ultimately, maybe it did, but I'd love to tell you that it made a difference and I was so utterly embarrassed and and degraded that that I definitely quit drinking, but I had four more years of hopeless, horrible drinking yeah. to go through, right? Right? So, let's move forward a little bit then. <laughs> let's get sober. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Let's talk about your first meeting and where it was and how you found it. Okay. So four years later, I took a leave of absence. I went back to Oklahoma and I was dancing in Oklahoma. I tried to control my drinking. I got two DUIs while I was controlling my drinking. My drinking took off because I, I, I actually quit cocaine two years before I ever quit drinking. So when I no longer had that any sort of throttle or governor on my drinking my drinking just took off and i was and and i would do this thing where i i think it's called warehousing where i i, I couldn't tell you if it was the second drink or the 10th drink that i was going to go into a blackout what do you call that warehousing i, I don't know there's this thing yeah. where it's like you know like it could happen at any moment right. but you don't know which drink it's going to be yeah right. i guess because i've had so much in my system right Anyway, I tried to control my drinking. My drinking's out of the, out of this world, you know. Um, um, and and during this time, um, a buddy of mine um, had gotten sober, and I didn't even know that term, right? 
like it, like I, I forget that that like all these terms like sobriety date, all that kind of stuff. Like I, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. So I uh, once a month I'd have a conversation with Doug, and Doug would talk about yeah. I'm, st- I'm like, are was, you st- was Doug in the ballet? Yeah. Okay, so he was a buddy in the ballet. Yeah, we were. He was one of the goombas. Like we were. <laughs> like he. Like he drank like me. Right. Okay, so, so he's getting so sober. he's getting sober. So you're going. Like, hmm. Well, you know, Doug had a problem. So <laughs> not you. <laughs> yeah. No. No. So I, you know, we'd BS for a while on the phone, and then and then I'd finally get to the question that I wanted to ask him is like, "Are you still doing that not drinking deal?" <laughs> And he'd say, yeah, day at a time, first things first, live and let live, or some sort of bumper. Like, I'm like, Doug is like, obviously is talking in bumper speak, you know, bumper sticker speak. And, uh, but it got to be like four months, like five months, six months, seven months. I thought there is something seriously wrong with Doug. Right. This is a problem. <laughs> and I had um, an audition for um, San Francisco Ballet, actually. I had two auditions. I went one weekend for one for uh, a job in Switzerland, and, an, and then I went back for a, an audition in New York for a job in San Francisco. So I fly to New York City to do this audition, and I called Doug up. So I, <clears throat> I have a real quick question. So during I'm sorry this- if I'm talking in, in like, special speak no 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 you're you're doing fine no i have a question about that that whole four years about your physical condition and and what i perceive to be the physical condition you have to be in in order to be a a top tier ballet I, i i was oozing alcohol every time i walked into class i joined a gym just because they had um a steam room or they had a and a and a and I would go and sit for an hour and try to get out the alcohol before I got into class. Right? So you were just <clears throat> basically talented enough to where yeah. you could kind of overcome your yeah. wow. There was a bar right next to the ballet studio. It was called the Shy Clown Lounge. The Shy Clown. <laughs> the Shy Clown Lounge, man. It had two pool tables and a carpet that had seen more wear and tear. It was like a sewer with carpet. You know what I'm saying? It was just perfect. It was home on Sunday. Like that was that was church on Sunday morning, right? That's with a pool table and you know, yeah. But what a dichotomy, right? I mean, you're living this life of, you know, being in these really extravagant ballets and then and it's really awkward when the principal dancer of the company in oklahoma they would print your name in the paper when you got a dui oh yeah that was awkward (laughs) that was a bit awkward they didn't like that (laughs) they didn't put your picture or anything in there but like they put your freaking name in there and like you know like okay Thank you, Mr. Tim. And as a reminder to everybody out there in the land, we will indeed have Mr. Tim back on the uh, pod next week with the follow-up to his journey after he gets sober. So be sure to tune in next week and hear 
a Tim's journey after getting sober. Now, on to a little bit of uh, listener feedback. And I say a little bit, I got quite a bit here, as I mentioned on the front end of this ep. Uh, I have been uh, traveling and I'm just now getting uh, uh, caught up with some of your listener feedback. You guys are great, right? I mean... Oh, it's just fantastic. Uh, how much, how much, uh, feedback we get here on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's that community feeling. It's, uh, I, uh, it's, it's what makes it all worth it for me. You know, and when you guys send me feedback about these various, uh, guests that I have on the episode, you know, I, I share that feedback with them and, you know, and it helps to, make their day you know they love to hear it i mean they absolutely love to hear it so if you're if you want to give me some feedback on any of the guests or if you just want to send something to me that's fine too but i'm at john j-o-h-n at soberspeak.com and if you're not on our email list and you want to be just go to the uh, soberspeak website and you can sign up there or just send me an email and say hey john m say it like that hey John M., will you please be, you know, kind and courteous? Will you please add me to uh, the email list? I'd like to be on it. Now, on to some <laughs> listener feedback. Corey posted in the Super Secret Facebook group, and I, and I, I get this question sometimes, so I just wanted to read it. It's, I don't know why I'm reading this, because it's a negative answer, I guess. But no, anyway, he says, are there any Sober Speak Live events planned for the near future? The answer is no. And why is just because... I, I don't know. I'm lazy or whatever you want to call it. I just, I, 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 I need to feel it in my bones when I get ready to do it because it's quite a bit of work. And, uh, so there's nothing planned for the near, for the near future, but, uh, hopefully we'll get something done before 2022, uh, is out, out, out through whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? Terry writes in and Terry says, hi, John, as always, I just love in big capital letters, the podcast you post, but he sees powerless, but not helpless was exactly what I needed to hear today. And the timing couldn't have been more spot on. I just come from my, from my quote, night shift unquote, of being with my 86-year-old mother-in-law, whom we just put into hospice due to cancer. The details and circumstances of our situation are different than what Buddy and his family experience, and there is no way I could understand the anguish and pain they had to endure. She's talking about Buddy, but I relate anyway. Uh, for this alcoholic, there is so much comfort in that, quote, divine connection, unquote, when I feel like I'm the other alcoholic talking with another alcoholic, if that makes any sense. Yes, I do get it. Thank you so much. God bless you. And please keep up the great work. I know you're helping countless numbers of us. You certainly have been helping me for a couple of years, Terry B. Uh, praying hands and big hearts. And thank you so much, Terry. And if you haven't heard Buddy C's episode, I would, uh, it's called Powerless But Not Helpless. I would go back and listen to that. And what she's talking about is the circumstances with Buddy uh, and his family 
family and his son, and I'm not going to retell it here, but uh, there's uh, there's tragedy there. Um, there's spiritual lessons there. Uh, there's hope there. And uh, I, I, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to that. Andrew writes in and he says, Hi, John, I just want to thank you for your service and your positivity. Uh, he's got big capital Y's on all the the and the U's and the yours, uh, and he says I listen to ya with a big Y A with a big capital Y every week on my travels, and it helps me stay connected to the program. I accidentally somehow clicked on one of your recordings on the weekend. I just want you to know that you are not alone being an emotional guy. I am too. The recording was something I needed to hear. Uh, I needed to feel things as well. Your gratitude was very much felt by me. And then he says, enough of this sappy stuff. You're doing a great job. <laughs> it's like a big peace sign with two fingers holding up. Not the peace sign like the, yeah, I, I want to make sure you have the proper emoji uh, in your mind here. So there are the peace sign where, you know, it's like the kind of the hippie peace sign. And then there's the peace sign where you hold up two fingers with your hand. Well, it's the the emoji with the two fingers and a hand peace sign. I want to make sure you have the proper emoji. So anyway, Andrew, thank you for writing that. I think what he landed on was, oh, an episode I put out one night after just having a great day, uh, you know, in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't even remember what I call it, just rambling thoughts or something like that. I don't know what episode it is or anything like that, but it was only like, I don't know, four or five minutes long. And uh, thank you, Andrew, for writing in. I appreciate you. Chris writes in, he says, hey, John, I am a year sober. I work in Florida doing 5G upgrades for upgrades for, and then he says a big telecom company. I won't say the name of the company. He said, I found you while I was in jail and listened to over 50 hours of Matthew M., Bill C., Reno John, Marine... Marine Recon, that's Bob, or Marine Recon, many times, Jimmy D and others. I was truly inspired and it helped me so much while incarcerated to hear the words of these people and yours. I really enjoy all your episodes and I'm happy to be another day sober. I do work with a sponsor and I do my step work. Matthew M really helped open my understanding of these steps and I related to him very much. Thank you for everything you do. And I look forward to more episodes and listening in Chris M. Chris M. God bless you. Uh, as you know, I, I sent I, I, I sent your feedback on uh, to uh, uh, several of these folks. One person in particular uh, wanted me to copy you and, uh, and and communicate with you. Who was it? It was oh Jimmy D. Yeah, Jimmy D. Wanted to have a conversation with you and. Gosh, uh, and that this also, it's let me know. I've, I've had a lot of these emails lately with some folks being uh, incarcerated. And when they get out, they're able to email me. And if you're out there and you're incarcerated and you're listening to this, 
God bless you. You can't see me right now, but I'm closing my eyes. I'm putting my hands together. I'm in a kneeling position and, and, and I'm just, uh, I'm thinking of you. I love you. We love you. Um, we want you in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we're here, uh, not only for now, uh, but for when you get out and please look us up. Anyway, um, I don't, I just, uh, went off the cuff on that. And uh, so anyway, Chris M., thank you for writing in. Thank you for all your very kind words. Keep me posted. Bob writes in and Bob says, hi, John. Uh, Oh, I wasn't expecting a note, he said, from the big man himself. Uh, He had made a little contribution and, and I just sent a little note out just saying thanks. That's all. And he says, I go by Bob. In the rooms, I'm Bob G. And my sobriety date is 9-25-2014. So that's interesting. So your your real name is Bob, but in the rooms you go by Bob G. And I guess that means like you think you would abbreviate a name coming into Alcoholics and anyway, uh, but but it gets longer because we go by the last initials. And I, I'm digressing. You you have to realize that what's going on in my brain right now is probably not right, and I don't want to go back and edit this out. So you're just stuck with it. I'm so sorry. Anyway, my. Sobriety date is 9-25-2014. I decided to retire from drinking after a fine run (laughs) of 40 plus years, and it wasn't so fine anymore. I get you. He says, many folks understand, quote, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, unquote. Yes. Many folks do understand that, Bob. Uh, He says, the best thing I've ever done. I'm so incredibly grateful to my higher power and all of the fine folks in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I live in beautiful Patascala. And then he says right after that, try to say this word 10 times very quickly. I'm going to say it's Patascala. Ohio, Patascala, anyway, Ohio, and it's 25 minutes or so from downtown Columbus, uh, home to, quote, the Ohio State Buckeyes. He says, I was looking for recovery podcasts, which is an entirely new experience for me. He says, put it this way, remember when color TVs came out, Sony Walkmans were cutting edge? That's where I am technology-wise. Well, it looked like you're catching up, Bob. He says, anyway, I started looking for recovery podcasts, and I wasn't really enjoying what I was hearing. Then I heard a guy who I thought was higher than a kite, really. <laughs> I think he's talking about me, but let's read on here. Listening to listening to him hearken me back to the nights of someone twirling around a boombox on a pitch black summer night playing Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, I love Dark Side of the Moon. While the rest of us were uh, staring into the blackness in a zombie-like state of euphoria, just saying, oh, wow, man, this is so awesome. I've been there, Bob. <laughs> I think I've been the guy saying, oh, wow, man, this is so awesome, too. 
Oh, dark. Oh, so now I'm going to be singing "Dark Side of the Moon," the uh, uh, "Fly in the Floyd" for the rest of the for the rest of the day. We'll see you on the dark side of the moon. Anyway, you know, I kind of combined Tony Bennett and Pink Floyd there for just a moment. And why I did that, I have no idea. But nonetheless, he said, sure had a lot of, quote, fun, unquote, and memorable times, but there is no going back. I get it. I get it, Bob. Those days and nights are behind me. I know if I ever try to capture that euphoria again, it will kill me. I get it. Gosh, do I get it. So after listening to this crazy man for a quick minute, I was convinced this guy was still living that life and I was about to move on when a voice from the rooms whispered very quietly to me, quote, don't be too quick to judge. Give him a chance, unquote. <laughs> Well, well, thanks. I'm glad that voice came in. He says, so I did. And I heard a wonderful recovery story and laughed quite a bit. I have listened to him quite a few more episodes since and have only heard one episode that doesn't, didn't resonate with me. But hey, that's going to happen. Pretty awesome track record. Really thankful I heard that whisper and, in big capital letters, listen to it. I've grown to love this wacky guy named John who makes recovery stories fun, entertaining, and enlightening. You can't beat a combo like that. The only way I can repay my higher power for his gift is for me to try and pass it on and pay it forward. We stand on the shoulders of all who came before us and left us an awesome program and traditions. That's right, Bob. I want to be those shoulders someday for someone else to stand on down the road. So tossing a few bucks in the hat that he gave me anyway just seemed to be the right thing to do. Thanks again, and thanks for the thanks, John. Keep up the good work. Thanks for being you. God bless you, Bob. Well, Bob, up there in... Tascala, Ohio. Thanks for writing in. I appreciate it. That was very, very kind of you to write in with all those nice words. Britt posts in the Super Secret Facebook group. She says, Hi, I'm new to the group and I've been listening to the Sober Speak podcast on my long, on my long drive to and from work for a while now. The podcast really helped me when I can't get to a meeting. I'm Brittany, I'm an alcoholic, and today by the grace of God in the rooms of AA, I have two years, four months, and four days of continuous sobriety. Well, congratu uh, congratulations, Brittany. That's fantastic. Uh, pretty soon you're going to be coming up on three years. A day at a time though, right? I get it. And uh, nonetheless, it's very good to hear from you in the super secret Facebook group. Ryan writes in, he says, Hey, John, I live in Twin 
Cities, Minnesota. I love the podcast. I, I, if I recall correctly, my wife told me about it. Been listening to it for probably three or fun, three or four months now. I can't recall the names of my favorite presenters, but I do know one of them is a retired lawyer from Texas, and the guy named Chicago Phil also was great. Uh, maybe Don J too. I have a long story, but one part of it that I'm still discovering more about is how to manage the symptoms of a of TB of a TBI with recovery. And I'm pretty sure uh, that TBI is a traumatic brain injury. He says the TBI didn't get me into the rooms. Um, I was there before, but it brought me to a new level of challenges and managing emotions fear, resentment, and impulse control. Taking a deep dive into wiring what's underneath it all, as well as slowing down those emotions so I can make a good decision. Uh, And that's what is paying off. I love hearing you and your guests for my meeting between meetings. His name is Ryan P. And then I have all of his contact information here, but I am probably not going to read that on the air to keep it anonymous for him. Thank you for writing in, Ryan. I appreciate you. Elizabeth writes in and she says, Hi, John. My name is Elizabeth B. And I am in the Pacific Northwest. A few AAers called me, quote, a COVID baby because I got sobered in the middle, I hope, of the pandemic. My sober date is September 23rd, 2020, and I have been blessed with a network of support and I love through uh, and love throughout my recovery, which I know not everyone has. Anywho, she says, because of my COVID baby, because of my COVID baby status, I entered uh, uh, AA. I entered the AA world where almost everything was online. I've probably only been to about 10 in-person meetings. This past January, I started a new job that necessitates my being out of my home almost 12 hours a day. I was very concerned about my program and I am no, uh, and I would no longer be able to attend my daily home group meetings. And I get home so late that I only have about two hours to do quote regular life, unquote. Enter sober speak. I listen to, uh, I listen to this podcast almost every day on my way into work and then home again. And I have found it very inspiring and a fantastic way for me to keep my recovery on the forefront of my mind. I know I have nothing without my sobriety. I enjoy all of the speakers. And in particular, I like, uh, I like it when I can hear something about what it's like in early sobriety. Someday I hope to have the years that so many of your guests have, but I also love to hear from people like me who are still, and always will be, I guess, figuring it out. Yes, we're always trying to figure it out, Elizabeth. Um, She says, thank you for this podcast and everything you do. If I can't be in a meeting, I am appreciative that I can hear the voices of my fellow travelers and feel a part of the fellowship to whom I owe so much. 
Very best, Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth, very, very nice of you to write in. I appreciate you and uh, keep well up there, you COVID baby in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mora writes in. And so, <laughs> and so why did I pause there? Because she's Mora. And I'm thinking if she married somebody named Lessa, you could be Mora and Lessa. <laughs> But that would be, or if you have a sister named Lessa, hi, this is Mora, and this is Lessa. But nonetheless, I digress is normal. I'm so sorry, Mora, and you're a very sweet person, and there I go just making fun of your name. It's not, it's not about you, it's about me and my crazy brain and where it goes, but nonetheless. Mora writes in and she says, Hi, John, I love your podcast. It's great service work. I've listened to it a year or two ago and somehow lost track of it. Now I'm listening again daily. I love in big capital letters everyone you get and have had many and I've heard many of these members multiple times in Zoom meetings, workshops, and other podcasts. I love that you find all the speakers who are carrying the heart of the AA message. Work the steps, find God, be free. I hope I can carry that message of hope from a longer term sober place soon. Well you're carrying it right now. Uh, Mora, she says, but I, but I carry it from where I am in my sobriety. Yes, you do, which is all I can do at this point. Sobercast also has a lot of good speakers on it, uh, as I'm sure you know as well. Yes, I've listened to that podcast as well. They do a good job. She says, I have been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous since 1987. I was 22 years old was seven was sober seven years at my longest stretch very involved in aa in the late 80s and early 90s and then i was in and out hoping that i was a social drinker carrying on with my life and getting by i came back into recovery in 2016 but still have struggled uh six months three months three months, et cetera. And I'm a real alcoholic and I'm grateful that I finally know that. I owe God and AA and its members of uh, my life and God hasn't given up on me yet. He never does, does he, Maura? I'm looking for a sponsor who can take me through the steps again right now. And I'm in an eight-week relapse prevention program, a 12-step-based recovery center here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, I'm looking to build up a sober support around me and find a tribe since I have not lived here long. My husband and I moved to Crozet, Virginia one year ago this month, but we have spent the majority of our lives in the Seattle, Tacoma, Washington area. We moved here to be near my son, who is actively serving in the U.S. Army and teaches at the JAG school, uh, UVA, for the next couple of years. We have five of nine of our grandchildren living by us now, all eight years old and younger. 
This is probably more detail than you wanted, laugh out loud. I heard Buddy C recently on uh, Sober Speak, and I love him. What a heart for service. I met him virtually through uh, a Facebook group where we are both part of the 2016-2017 Recovery Elevator, and I can't wait to read his new book. We have some friends in common from that previous Facebook group. His transitions daily emails are so great. I'm blown away by Buddy and heartbroken for his recent loss. Same here. Same here, Maura. Uh, Someone else that I heard this week on Sober Speak shared a much needed message and that seemed directly for me. That was Gary K. I'm not sure which one. He was teaching on step one and it blew my mind. And it's exactly what I needed to hear at the right moment, aka God's perfect timing. The part about problems and consequences, it woke me up as I was extremely stuck in some job issues and some other things this week and praying. God answered my prayer through Gary's message. The problem is only for me, untreated alcoholism. Everything else is consequences. I love that. It brought me so much clarity and got me back on track, putting my recovery first again. Do you know, John, about the great fact speaker on Zoom every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern? I bet you do. Uh, uh, 500 plus attend every evening. You could snag a few great speakers from that group, I bet. Yeah, bet I could. Oh, it's just hard to hear all the speakers I want to hear out there. Then he says, not every night is awesome, but there are amazing nights and, and, and some of your speakers have been on the podcast too. I'm sure. Uh, I will be contributing to your podcast ASAP. Don't worry about that. Oh, I think you did. But anyway, no concerns, but thank you for saying that. She says, uh, uh, thank you for your service. Keep up the good work. Uh, sounds like you're having fun as well, which is awesome too. Best to you, Mara. Well, thank you, Mara. Thanks for writing in. God bless you. God bless yours and keep coming back. It works if you work it, right? Leanne writes in, Leanne says, hello, John M. I found your podcast as I was looking for some recovery guidance. I've been in a rough patch in emotional sobriety recently, and I was looking for a podcast rather than calling my sponsor, uh, which seemed like the logical thing to do at the time. The first podcast I listened to was Marty C. And since then, I've taken a deep dive into the Charlie P recordings. John, I'm 17 years sober. I did the legwork at the beginning when I was desperate, and then life got busy. Uh, that was an excuse for not showing up to meetings and somewhere along the line, uh, and, and I will look back soon. I'm so grateful to have heard the message at 17 years old, uh, and I was meant to be... Uh, and I was meant to be. My sobriety date is March 6, 2005. I'm from Burlington, Ontario, Canada, and I'm excited to see how this unfolds for me. Thank you for sharing the message. Yeah, I think Marty C. Marty C. actually knows you. I appreciate that, Leanne. Jay writes in, and Jay says, hello, my name is Jay. 
but er, excuse me, my name is Jay Shree, but everyone calls me Jay. I am a longtime Al-Anon member, and my husband just celebrated his 31st Alcoholics Anonymous birthday, and she puts big clapping hands. I love listening to your podcast, and I really enjoy your guests, like hearing your guests talk about their experience, strength, and hope. I'm also a big fan of The Recovery Show with Spencer. Yes, I know Spencer. He's been on my pod. He says, in your podcast I was just listening to today, you mentioned the Scottish heritage. Yes, I do have a Scottish heritage. And then she says, I just finished listening to, oh, I got to go find this book. She just, I just finished listening to Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart on Audible. It is a story about a boy and his alcoholic mother. You should listen to it if you haven't heard it or read the book. I would recommend listening to it as the narrator has a Scottish, is a Scottish actor and he does an excellent job in a Scottish accent. John, on January 14th this year, this disease of alcoholism took our 44-year-old son, and then she puts a big uh, sad face, and then she says he lived in London, England, and had, and had lived away from his, uh, uh, and he had lived away since his college days. He was a brilliant, talented uh, motion graphics designer. We did not know until August 220 that he was a binge drinker. The last two years, uh, with lack of work and fear of COVID, paranoid and going out, lockdowns, etc., and being by himself, his drinking really took off. He could order six bottles of vodka at a time online, two rehab visits, and having a father in AA for 30 plus years could not save him. We are so fortunate to have our respective fellowships to help us cope with this devastating loss. He was divorced and did not have any children. His his friends held a memorial for him on Zoom. It was attended by 118 people. Everyone talked about what a kind, kind hearted, fun, loving, brilliant person he was. And how he and how uh, way ahead of his time in his field of work with over with over a thousand watt smile, I miss my son John, and a big sad face with a tear. Gosh, I bet you do. I bet you do, Jay. I can't even imagine. I'm so sorry. And she says, "Sorry to go on. You're not going on, Jay." Uh, you're not going on. I'm so glad you wrote in. But I do, and, and hopefully this will help some people that are hearing this around the world. And she says, but I just wanted to tell you about Shuggy Bane. <laughs> I get it. I'll have to look that up. She said, take care and keep up the good work. Much love in the fellowship. Regards, Jay. Well, Jay, much love back out to you. My prayers for you and your family. Uh, you and your husband, and uh, uh, once again, just, just thank you for being vulnerable and writing in, and I'm glad, like you said, that you have your programs, both of you, uh, to help deal with that sort of devastating loss. And finally, finally, and 
anonymous writer writes in. She did want not she did not want me to use her name, and uh, I'm more than fine with that. She says, "Hi, John. My name is such and such. I am starting the journey." of how to quit drinking right now. I'm a new mom and I have postpartum depression. I have recently been trying for the last couple of months to quit or at least control my drinking. I haven't been very successful at it. I notice I can go days with that alcohol, but when I do end up using it once in a while, I tend to take, uh, uh, it tends to take over and I go overboard. After its use, I feel sad, shame, anger, guilt, and don't know why I did drink. This addiction is impacting my life, my relationships, and my mental health. Well, sounds like you're uh, in the right place there, Uh, anonymous person. She says, we have removed alcohol from our house in the last couple of months uh, whenever I have gone out with my friends, I go out and order drinks and then I can't control how much I drink. Sometimes I hide my drinks or very recently when I went to my parents' house or my brother-in-law's house, I went outside and sneaked a drink from the cabinets, uh, because I was feeling like drinking. This is not right, and it's not me. I never do that. This has really affected me and made me realize that something is wrong with me. Also, now we don't have alcohol at home, and sometimes I feel like quitting drinking, and but I go out and I purchase alcohol from the store. I have noticed that I tend to only drink in the evenings. With COVID and being a new mom, I think this addiction has taken me over. I really want to control my life of addiction. Uh, I have been, I haven't been successful at it. All family members are concerned about me and they have never seen me like this. <coughs> Excuse me. I am really looking to get stronger and I want to get hold of this addiction and not be scared. Um, I have built fear around it and I hate myself when I hate what I'm doing to myself. God, there's so many people that can relate to that. Please help me with some resources and support. Well, and then she says, thank you. Well, what I did uh, after she wrote in is I got her in touch with... Somebody else in our program, uh, another woman in our program, I asked her if she wanted me to get her in touch with somebody. She said that she did, and so I was able to do that. And uh, hopefully uh, you all are on the path and everything is going well. I really haven't checked with somebody I know in the program, and I trust them very much. Uh, But do keep me posted. Anonymous person. Brian writes in and Brian says, uh, Hey, I've been going back and listening to some old episodes. I just love it. I just listened to Chris M on episode five. Awesome story. Yeah. So he was going back to the beginning, Mr. Brian D and Chris M is awesome. I've asked him to come back several times. Uh, So far he has not acquiesced, uh, but I will keep trying because I think he's got uh, uh, even more of his story that he can share. But uh, thanks for writing in, Brian. This is the final one for this week. Kay writes in and Kay says, 
Hi, John. I'm from Durham, North Carolina. She says, I'm on my third time around. I started in AA in my 20s and I stayed sober and worked the steps with a sponsor. Then I relapsed for six months. I got sober again and I went back to Alcoholics Anonymous, worked the steps with another sponsor. I stopped meetings, but I found God. Then I had 16 years. I relapsed again. I relapsed again for about five years, and now I'm sober again since September 13th. Good for you, Kay. Um, I work in the medical field, and I am now in my 50s, and I have discovered podcasts. I was looking for AA podcasts, and I found this one. I now listen to many different podcasts on sobriety. Good for you, Kay. She says, uh, uh, I have never really, quote, fit unquote, NAA 100%, 100%, but it helped me tremendously in the beginning and has saved my life. But I do love, she puts big capital letters, but I do love sober speak. I can't think of any names specifically on the guests, but I resonate with so many of the speakers. You are awesome too, KM. Well, thank you, KM. All right, everybody, <laughs> I'm caught up with the listener feedback that I need to be caught up with. Like I said, sometimes my travel schedule gets a little heavy and I can't get all of it in. You guys are absolutely awesome. You know, if I didn't do this listener feedback, this thing, this uh, these podcasts would take me so much less time, but I want you guys to be heard. I want to build a community. I want, anyway, it just seems like the right thing to do. All right, everybody, that is another episode of Sober Speak. Please tune back in next week for the second uh, part of Tim F. Uh, You're going to want to hear that. Until then, keep coming back. It works if you work it. No, how's it going at the end of the uh, hour? May God bless you and keep you until then. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I know that was a lot of feedback, but it was great.